0: Welcome into episode 38 of the Ebony Bird Podcast. I don't know about you guys, but I'm fired up because this week, training camp kicking off on Thursday. The Ravens having their first team practice this week to kick off training camp on Thursday. And that's always exciting. And with that, we want to announce that we're back on the Ebony Bird Podcast coming to you through Spreaker and iTunes every single week now that the Ravens are going to be reporting back at camp. The rookies reported on the 11th, and the rest of the team is reporting this week. So with that, we will be coming at you every single week, I believe, last year with the the podcast. Really, the only week we took off was the bye week, so we'll try to do a similar format this year as we go through the podcast again. Um, and I'm going to have our... Site expert Chris Swissler and contributor Joe Schiller joining me in a second. But before we do, I'm contributor Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at jmcdonald95. Chris is going to be footballman58 on Twitter, and Joe is at Joe schiller 123 But to give you guys an outline of the episode, again, brought to you by Cited on iTunes and Spreaker. With training camp kicking off this week, we're going to do a little Q&A, a a little roundtable discussion. We'll rotate between me, Chris, and Joe going around in a circle. We have like five or so questions around each of us uh, centered around the Ravens before we uh, officially kick off training camp this week. We're going to go and have like a roundtable discussion. Before that, we're also going to get into the announcement the Ravens made last Thursday about doing away with the paper ticket stubs and now shifting over a complete digital format, which is both for single game tickets on the mobile app and on uh, season ticket holders are going to have a credit card type deal as well we want to talk about that before we do another reminder to download the ebony bird app chris had an article recently five questions for the offensive line that one's out as well and new site expert in case you haven't heard richard bradshaw who has been on the podcast before a former contributor he's going to be taking over for joe on the new co-site expert role he had an article out recently Ravens will have the best cornerback duo of 2018, and that's certainly a big topic of debate entering training camp. So again, I'm Jake McDonald, Chris and Joe joining me now. The first topic we want to dive into is it's stirred up a little bit of controversy. The Ravens introducing their new digital ticket system, completely doing away with the paper stubs, going you know, a little earth-friendly move here. Just so if you if you haven't heard about how this is gonna work yet to give you a little bit of background. Fans can access their tickets on their smartphone by using the Ravens mobile app. They can also make digital transfers to guests. You can sell tickets on the app as well if you're if you're a season ticket holder directly through the Ravens app. And then PSL hon- owners, rather than having tickets for each game, they're going to have a little card. And I Joe might know a little bit more about this than all of us because he is a season ticket holder. But you're going to have a credit card type thing. I don't know if it's getting passed out per group or per every single person in that group but you're going to be able to uh, swipe your way into games. There's some good good and bad things about this. There's less items to keep in your pocket, and there's no pickpocketing. My uncle himself has been pickpocketed going into a game before, so that will eliminate that problem, um, unless somebody, you know, would drop their PSL card on the ground. But some, some cons you have, there's going to be old-school fans that love having the physical feeling of a ticket with them who have the man caves in the basement with frames of all the tickets they've been to at games and I mean another thing is phones die but as I was thinking about this for example somebody in a group had their phone die somebody else in that group could download the app and then that person could access their account through another person's phone so that's a way you could kind of overcome that problem you just have to obviously remember your password like you would for anything else but thoughts on this shift away from paper tickets and as a person that attends games are you annoyed at all that the classic paper ticket method is gone or do you think this is a step that maybe other NFL teams might eventually follow it behind the Ravens
1: no I like it I mean we're entering a digital age I mean this isn't really too surprising I was although a little surprised that they completely got rid of the paper tickets I did not realize that but the preface is my dad is the season ticket holder. I wish I had the money to have the tickets myself, but the presentation that they gave it in, the little box and the and the cards is really cool. I mean they did a really good job with it. And visually it, it looks really good. And I mean, it's really not that hard to have your phone charged for the game. I know, you know, there are instances where you know it's just not like that, but I mean just you just have to have your phone charged. Just, I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah, like you said, there's going to be fans who aren't going to be too happy about it, and you know want to keep their ticket. But I mean, if you're a PSL owner, you have the little um, kind of credit card thing, which I think looks really cool too. So I mean, you know, it saves paper. It's you know, I think there are going to be a lot of other teams that are transitioning to this way too. So I mean, it's it's not surprising. It was going to happen sooner or later, and. I mean, they're just trying some different things. And, you know, each PSL owner got these, like, cool boxes. You open it up. It's got your PSL credit card. It's just, it's just a different way of doing things. And I like how they've kind of switched things up this offseason. And, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some pushback, but there's like that with everything. So, overall, I think it's a really cool concept.
0: So, real quick, just to clarify, does each person in your family have a card or is it just one card per group?
1: So, I believe you get, so my dad has four PSLs. So, you get one card per PSL. He has four of them. He has two down low, two up top. So if I'm remembering correctly, you can use that. And then obviously he has this Ravens mobile app. And another thing will would be nice is transferring tickets. That can be a pain in the ass, depending on, especially if you don't know the person. But, I mean, you don't have, there's no more meeting up for tickets. No, It's not sketchy. You can just transfer it over to the person. So I think that could take away a lot of potential, you know, staff of tickets too.
2: I don't have a problem with it as much as, Some people do. Like when I went to the Cowboys game in 2016 in Dallas, season ticket holders had paper tickets, but pretty much every single game ticket was an online thing, like an electric ticket.
0: I think it's kind of more of an older generation thing, more more of the people that grew up having tickets and going to games and obviously the stubs. I think they're more of, they have more of a problem with it than anything, but unless you collect every single ticket from every single game that you've been to and frame them in your basement or whatnot, yeah, I have memories of, of having specific tickets and specific games, players on tickets, whatnot, but if we're, you know, being honest, this is probably a much more um, safer way to do things, especially if you have the issue of pickpocketing and whatnot.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All my memories of going to Ravens games come from watching the game itself or with the people I'm with. <laughs> I mean, the tickets that I have, and if I just put it in my pocket, they end up getting crumbled up. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know. my memory is I remember more of the games rather than the ticket stubs itself.
2: Well, I always do the single-game tickets and I print print them off and you get this whole piece of paper and it's painted in the butt. They don't fit in your wallet very nicely. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I have no problem with this whatsoever. My only, and, and when people say, oh, you gotta have your phone charged, they sell portable chargers. So, like, this day and age, that's just the world we live in. I guess there are some people, like older fans, that might not have phones. But I don't know how big of a problem that is. And I'm sure there's a workaround.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really, I mean, I think a bigger deal was made on social media than far as what I thought. But certainly, like I said, eliminates the issue of pickpocketing. It's easy to make transfers. And with you know a digital age coming through... Um, I think this was a good effort by the Ravens to do this, and with somebody like my dad who isn't as advanced technology wise, you know, I might assist him with buying the tickets just so we're you know we're on the same page as where we want to sit, and he's he gets used to using the app and whatnot. But I don't think it's going to be too big of a problem, and it'll be interesting to see if other NFL teams and even the Orioles sharing the city with Baltimore follows suit. So we're going to move on now, and this is the part I'm really looking forward to. Of course, like I said, training camp kicking off on Thursday in Owings Mills. We're going to do a pre-training camp roundtable Q&A. We're going to rotate in a circle with just everybody asking questions. I'll ask a question first, and then Chris and then Joe, and all of us will go around answering these questions. And all of us have about five questions. We agreed before the show we were going to write down five questions apiece. The first question I have personally is, Will several of the early round draft picks, we're talking rounds one through three, maybe four, that have not panned out yet... For example, Kamalai Correa, Bronson Kafusi, Chris Wormley, Carl Davis. Will those guys get roster spots? And even players that have been drafted in the top two rounds, like Brashad Perryman and Max Williams, the top two guys in the 2015 draft, are they on their way out, possibly?
2: I think Bronson Kafusi is on the bubble. Um, and I think Correa is on the bubble. And Perryman's out. I think Chris Wormley definitely makes it. You saw Willie Henry... Uh, come from out of nowhere. I think the Ravens know defensive linemen take time to develop. The problem with Cafuce is that we just haven't seen anything and we've, we've given them a chance. I think warmly has this year to get things going. Um, unless a guy like Zach, uh, Siler or another undrafted free agent really makes a showing, then Carl Davis and warmly are fine. But yeah, you know, the roster map is really tough right now and. I can't get Perryman out of the door soon enough.
1: It's going to be interesting. I think Correa is an interesting question mark because they have switched him inside and outside so much that it's really hindered his development. And that's, you know, not all his fault, but still as a second round pick you'd expect him to be a lot more productive than he's been. And with Kafusi, it's just another one of those things he broke his ankle rookie year, and that really kind of pushed him back on the depth chart. And now maybe he's one of those guys that could be on the way out. He really hasn't done much. And I completely agree with you, Chris, with, Davis, and Warmly. I mean, the Ravens kept eight defensive linemen last year, and they love their depth. And, you know, with injuries to Urban and Brandon Williams last year, you can never have too much depth, especially on the interior. As AFC North continues to get more run-heavy with some very talented running backs, I mean, you have to have that depth. I mean, the Ravens got ran over in the middle of the season last year, and I think we're pretty much all in agreement that Perry Mendozzi is a $650,000 roster bonus. I think on a third day of training camp, so the Ravens can make a decision sooner rather than later. So, and with Max Williams, it's just one of those things where I, I personally would rather keep Nick Boyle. He's I think he's a better blocking tight end, and still can show up as receiving. He had a career year last year compared to his first two seasons. So, especially adding Hayden Hurst, who's kind of the dual role, playing a little bit of H back too, and Andrews, who's pretty much a pure pass catcher. I think Williams could definitely be on the way out. That wouldn't surprise me one bit.
2: My my first question is. The Ravens uh, drafted Anthony Averett and they were already pretty deep at corner. Are the Ravens finally built to survive a potential Jimmy Smith injury, which seems inevitable at this point?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's, you kind of figure that out when they drafted Marlon Humphrey, and you really saw him progress in his rookie season. So, I mean, I think Averett's a guy you can play in the slot, and they needed that with the uncertainty of – you know, Tavon Young's ACL and Jalen Hill's ACL. So yeah, I think so. And I mean, sooner rather than later, he's getting, he's getting older and you expect Humphrey to be that next guy and maybe a younger guy step up.
0: If you look at, in terms of of the depth chart, I mean, Jalen Hill's not going to be back for a a while. It's, it's remains to be seen whether he makes the roster. I'm really high on Anthony Averett. I think, you know, he might be making his contributions mainly on special teams this year, but He's got a repertoire with Marlon Humphrey and and the whole Alabama spiel that we all know and love with Fozzie Newsome and everything. But really, I mean, if Jimmy Smith isn't on the field week one, you've got Marlon Humphrey, who I honestly think could be the the player of the year as far as as the Ravens' defense goes. I think he's destined for a breakout season. And Brandon Carr, I'm a little concerned about him. Just for the sheer fact that he's 32 and he's never missed a start in his career, you just have to wonder if the the constant start never missing a game is going to start to wear on him a little bit. But the good news for the Ravens is they have Tavon Young back this season and Maurice Kennedy barring that knee problem that's that's plagued him throughout this career. They've got tons of depth there and hopefully they'll be able to stash some guys in the practice squad just in case Smith and... Maybe another unnamed player goes down with an injury. You have Anthony Levine who can also play cornerback if, if he does, in fact, make the roster. That's I know that's a little bit of a discussion here uh, with the foot surgery he's had. But I think this this season, yes, you want to have Jimmy Smith on the field, obviously. We've seen what happens when he's not on the field. But in terms of depth standpoint, the Ravens are set up pretty well if he does have an injury again.
1: All right, my question. you buy the high fan influence for training camp in the whole season this year? We've talked about how the Ravens have you know, drafted Lamar Jackson, you know, lowered concession prices and, you know, done a lot to really try to get the fans back in the M&T Bank Stadium. So are you buying that that's really going to pay off for training camp and once the season starts?
0: I mean, the fact that the training camp practice has sold out a number of hours really speaks a lot, and I hope that the, the atmosphere at training camp certainly is, lives up to the expectation. I certainly will say, as far as the future of sports in Baltimore goes – this is a pivotal season for the Ravens. They've missed the playoffs the last three years. They made a conscious effort to draft Lamar Jackson and, and get people back in. They've made a number of moves this offseason to try to pull fans back in, whether you have the tickets and whether or not you have the, the new video boards being up in the stadium, then the opening train camp back up to the public. They're really trying to reestablish that relationship with the fan base. This season is going to be huge in terms of pulling people back in and, getting into the whole the quarterback thing and what what happens with Joe, yada, yada. if this team can find a way to stack up wins and get into the double digits and inch their way back into the playoffs, in the end, I think that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to be pulling people back in. But what, to answer your question, the move to have these training camp practices all open to the public speaks a lot and I'm excited to see if the attendance, as we're expecting, sold out for all these practices translates early into the season, and especially as the weather gets colder. If the attendance can stay consistent and improve, then I think that'll be a really nice thing, not only just for the Ravens, but Baltimore in general, to kind of get the the hype surrounding Baltimore sports back up, because I think really that's something that's been missing for the last couple of years.
2: I think the biggest thing that training camp, being open to the public, is going to give you is you're going to get a constant Lamar Jackson watch on Twitter. I think you're going to get a constant barrage of, hey, he did this, he did this, he did this. If he has a bad day, it's going to be like, oh my goodness, it's the end of the world. If it's a good day, it's going to be, oh my goodness, it's the end of Joe Flacco. And you're just going to have that constantly. I'm not sure how much the fans are going to actually get and pay attention to, but I know one thing, their eyeballs are going to be clued to Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson brings an energy to the team that we haven't seen for years. I mean, I feel like we have this energy when we drafted Flacco. It's just when you have a new era ahead of you. That's an exciting time. And the fact that we sold out parking passes or went out so quickly, um, it shows you that the Ravens went for the moves that were going to get people excited. They signed Crabtree. That was big. They drafted Jackson. They had 12 draft picks. I mean, they're doing everything they can. So we'll see what that does. But at the end of the day here, I just think it's going to be constant, constant Lamar Jackson. Fans are going to be tweeting about it. Fans are going to be talking about it. and I think it's going to get the hype unbearably high before the preseason even starts.
0: So the next question I wanted to pose is it's kind of shifting towards the defensive side of things, particularly the defensive line. With uh, Brandon Williams shifting back to nose tackle and Brent Urban, who was announced today, he was going to be among the players listed on the pup list to begin training camp along with Marshall Yanda and some other other players as well does that open the opportunity for Michael Pierce versus Willie Henry specifically and my question as far as those two guys go is who gets more playing time I mean we've only really had a small sample size between both these players Pierce had a really strong 2016 season whereas Henry broke out last year and Pierce kind of shifted into the back and even despite that he was rated the fourth highest player on the Ravens roster in Madden who out of those two guys do you guys see having a bit the biggest impact this season uh, I'd say Willie
1: Henry. Yeah, I think I, so, too. I mean, you keep the guy that's been hot, and he had a great season stepping up with a couple of injuries. I'm not saying that Pierce isn't going to have his games, but, I mean, Henry's really stepped up. They're really being pretty obsolete his first season. So, it's going to be interesting to see it's going to be a deep defensive line. And I think a lot of it depends on injuries, because we didn't think Willie Henry was going to really break out. But when two of your most important defensive linemen go down, someone's got to step up. So I think it's very dependent on injuries, but I'll I'll agree with Chris. I'll go Willie Henry.
0: It's always a good thing, too, when uh, Terrell Suggs is talking you up as well. For sure. All right, my big question
2: here is, how many wide receivers do the Ravens keep?
1: Well, that's, that's a tough question. But, I mean, I'll go with the blocks first. It's obviously Crabtree, Brown, Sneed, and Chris Moore. I mean, assuming they're all healthy by the start of the season, I definitely see them making the roster. And I'll add in Lasley and Scott, the two rookies, I think you have to keep them even though they're fourth and fifth round picks. It's not assumed, but, I mean, the Ravens need to develop some younger receivers. They can't keep relying on free agents as much as it is great to have some free agents to come in and produce immediately. You need to develop some guys. The Ravens have been terrible at that in the past couple of years. So and the, I think the big question is whether they take a seventh or not. And I think they do. Yeah, And if they do, I think it would probably be Tim White for the sole purpose of having a returner. I think they have to with Michael Campanaro gone. But, like you said, roster math is going to be so tough. I mean, you could use a roster spot in some other important positions, but I think the Ravens have to take seven just to have a returner and then just depth, too, because I remember last year with they were were playing the Vikings and they are signing – you know, guys off the street, you know, guys that are playing in the preseason. So, I mean, they have to have that depth, and this aerial attack has to be better than it was last year.
0: I'm going to agree with everything Joe said. I don't think there's any chance that the Ravens keep Rashad Perryman. I think they're going to keep, definitely for the three guys they signed in free agency, I think they're definitely going to keep both Scott and Lasley. They spent draft picks on these guys. They invested in them, and they're going to keep them and at least give them a shot to pan out. The question for me is what they're going to do with Tim White, and it's a hard one because he was an undrafted guy last year. Really, the only really sample size we have to judge him on is a couple weeks worth of practice, and as soon as he started to get some momentum going, he broke his thumb. Not his fault, but still, it shows you that he has had an an injury history, and the key for him, in my opinion... He's going to have to do just as much as Chris Moore, if not outperform Chris Moore, to make the roster. I think if Moore proves that he can, he's capable of getting the kick returner, punt returner job, um, and the Ravens feel comfortable with him, then I think that Tim White doesn't make the team. But if White outperforms Moore as far as the return game goes, I see Moore having an impact on offense regardless. So it, it all comes down to what Tim White does in practice. So if he can find a way to really wow the coaches in the return game, break tackles, maybe score a bunch of touchdowns in practice. I think he's going to have a really solid argument to make the team. I'm just hesitant to do that because of the other um, areas on the roster that are going to need some attention. So right now I will say no as far as Tim White goes, but if we get into a couple training camps, a couple preseason games, and he's making plays left and right, I might, I will change my opinion for sure.
1: I do think it's interesting that, we stashed him on IR and I believe he said he was healthy midway or close to the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see if they you know really felt like he was a the guy they want to keep around. Let's go to the next question. I have we expect the Ravens to continue experiment with two Q B sets during training camp. We saw him do a little bit during OTA's and mandatory minicamp. Caught a lot of national attention as you saw. Which, whether the Ravens are blowing smoke or not, I mean, they've got all of us talking about it. So do you think they're going to continue that?
0: I think they're going they're going to do it early. I think maybe as the preseason progressive, they might shy away from it a little bit. But I definitely think they're going to open up camp. They're, we're going to see some of these two quarterback sets maybe early in the season to have defenses on their feet, thinking that Lamar Jackson could come off the bench at any time. But the, the key is, are they going to continue to do that as the season goes on? And I think a lot of that comes down to how Joe Flacco plays. If Flacco's playing lights out and the Ravens don't need to use Jackson, I guess I could see the two quarterback sets maybe fading away as far- later on in the season. But if we're going early in the season and Flacco hasn't performed well, judging on recent memory, I think we'll see it a bunch at least early in the year. But like I said, I think maybe as the season goes on, depending on how Flacco plays, that will determine how much we see that going forward.
2: I think we're going to play around with it just because I think we want people to think we're going to play around with it. I'm not sure how much we're actually going to implement it in games that matter. I think we're going to flirt with it. I think we'll show it once or twice during the season, and it'll mostly be much to
0: do about nothing. My last question was about Pierce and Henry. I'm going to stay on the defensive side here. Kenny Young, does he eventually overtake Patrick? I'm not even going to say his last name. It's it's just Peanut. I, I can't pronounce it to save my life. But um, does he figure into the, the second inside linebacker competition next to C.J. Mosley? Not really as early in the season. I know, especially in recent draft memory, it's taken the Ravens a long time to develop linebackers, especially on the inside. And a lot of times they haven't panned out. But particularly for this question, later in the season, do you think that Kenny Young has the potential to take that starting that second uh, inside linebacker job?
2: I'm going to say no. I think Peanut keeps the job. And the problem is you need somebody who's a thumper next to Mosley. You need somebody who's going to go get it. And you need somebody who knows what he's doing. And I think Kenny Young fits two of those boxes. And I think Peanut, he knows what he's doing at this point. I think having another year under his belt... Maybe uh, with a more aggressive coach, maybe he's better on run defense. I don't know. I just think that that's the situation that the Ravens didn't really improve that much in the offseason unless Young's ready to go right away. And from what I've seen, I'm not sure he is.
1: I'm going to go yes for the sake of argument. Obviously, I don't think he's ready right away. I mean, it's still he's a fifth-round rookie has a lot to develop, but Ravens struggled so much over the middle of the field in pass coverage last year, and tight ends, you know, especially watching the Steelers game, I mean, they just burned them. I mean, the Ravens just had so many issues trying to cover tight ends. It was was very frustrating to watch, as you guys know, but I think Young's quick. He's a guy coming out of UCLA. You can definitely get physical in the pass coverage, get on some saw receivers and some tight ends. So, yeah, I think if he can progress and, you know, kind of show he can cover tight ends and receivers like he did in college, I think he can because Peanuts is a little undersized. And I know the Ravens would love to have another guy like Zach Orr there, but I'm not sure Peanuts that same player. So, yeah, I'm going to go say Kenny Young does take it over. Orlando
2: Brown, stutter buddy. has a great game tape and the horrible combine. Which player are we
1: getting? I think we're getting a stud. I don't know if it's right away, but I think – eventually he can develop in this bet I was doing my gift series earlier in the year looking at all the Ravens rookies and just watching a lot of his tape you know if you're judging a guy like him on his intangibles and his his speed I mean you're you're just not gonna it's just not gonna test well and that's what we saw but I mean Orlando Brown doesn't need to be running a five you know second 40-yard dash he's never gonna need to run that he needs to be a big guy on the right side that's you know, just a mammoth of a tackle, and that's exactly what he is. I mean, he can absorb defenders. I think there was a lot of talk. He's not physical. I mean, I watched him against Nick Bosa and the, when they played Ohio State. And I mean, he he stonewalled them. I think this is a guy who can develop. The Ravens have shown that they can develop offensive linemen, especially tackles. So yeah, I think they got a stud, and I'm I'm really hoping so because that right tackle position is really up in the air right now.
0: I'm gonna agree and say stud. I'm gonna say it only because I'm not gonna give James Hurst a bad rep but if we've gone on James Hurst's track record of playing tackle more specific left tackle but in tackle in general he's struggled a lot and I think Orlando Brown there's not like a ton of pressure on him because if he can just be as good as James Hurst is at, at tackle he will be able to take that job because I think the Ravens would like to have Hurst as a plug-and-play player anywhere along the line so all he has to do is be as good as Hurst is at right tackle and I think it'll be fairly easy for him to do that and then he will carry that into the regular season as the Ravens' starting right tackle.
1: All right, so my next question is, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want to go a little more in depth on it, is who fills the returner role this season? So obviously, Michael Campanero walks time with the Titans. Chris Moore was primarily the kick returner last year, but, you know, kickoffs are kind of up in the air in how they've gone, so the Ravens really do lack a punt returner as it stands. So, I mean, who do you think fills that role? Is it current wide receiver or maybe an undrafted guy?
0: That's a great question because I think, beyond White and more, we don't really know um, too much of what the Ravens have at return, specifically punt return. They don't they no longer have a Darius Webb. And that's where I look to the undrafted rookies and maybe guys like Everett back there. And I, I know there's no way of telling if, if he would even be suited for that job, but I'm just saying that because we just don't know who else there is. The same goes for a guy like Chuck Clark. I'm just naming guys like the secondary that are not starters at have, would have the opportunity to to get back there. That's probably the one roster spot where there's just so much uncertainty. You, it's it has the most minimal impact. But as far as the players that we know that are back there, we just we just have no idea yet, aside from uh, Moore and White. So as of right now, the race for those jobs is, like I said, is, is between uh, Moore and, and White. But I could definitely see some under the radar guys in the secondary maybe even a running back we've seen the Ravens use running backs in the past in the return game so yeah that really it has me stumped because I just I'm not sure what what the Ravens have there and that's honestly even though it's a lesser position as far as returning goes I'm really intrigued to see who's going to be winning those battles particularly punt returner because I think we have an idea of who's going to be returning kicks
2: well, I'm going to tell you this right now. Jordan Lasley is the guy I think is going to get the job as part turner. I think that might be the reason he makes the team. I think Lasley is just a guy you get him in the open field and good things happen. Now what I'm going to say is there's a guy we, we probably don't even have pegged because I'm not sure he's done it. But Deshaun Elliott is a guy that has the skills. Uh, we you know what he can do when he gets a pick. Well, let's see what he can do when he catches a kick. I think Deshaun Elliott would be an interesting option there. And Kenneth Dixon, I mean, if you have trouble fitting him into the offense, you want to get him the ball in the open field. Hunt return's a good way to do it. Um, So those are three options that I'm thinking of right there.
0: So my fourth question is potentially the uh, most intriguing one out of all of mine. The, The question that I want to pose here is, we kind of talked about Jimmy Smith earlier in the podcast, but... How do you manage his return, especially because he's been a guy that's had so many injury problems in the past? Surprisingly, he he was not included on the list of players that's going to begin the uh, training camp on the PUP list. He is going to be practicing right away, so that's definitely a good sign. But you have to ask yourself the question, with that Achilles problem, is this something that's going to carry on into the regular season? And if it does, you play him right away and take it as it is. But my co-host on uh, Charm City Birdwatch brought up a good point last night. The Ravens play the Steelers week four in Pittsburgh. And really, Antonio Brown, in the past couple of seasons, more times than not, Jimmy Smith has not been on the field when they played the Steelers. And each and every time, Antonio Brown's just had his way with the Ravens. You know, he had the the uh, stretch play into the end zone that cost the Ravens a trip in the 2016 playoffs. Every time it seems like the Ravens are playing the Steelers late in the season, Smith's not playing. And you wonder to yourself, what could have been if Smith had played. So, if he's ready to play week 1, then fine. Like let him let him go crazy, but the Ravens first four games are Buffalo, Cincinnati, Denver, and Pittsburgh. If his Achilles is still giving him problems late in the preseason, Do you maybe take it easy on him the first couple of weeks and then make sure he's 100% ready to go for that Pittsburgh game? Or do you just let him go right away because he's one of the best players on the defense? I guess the the simplest way I can ask this question is, what is the right way to manage Jimmy Smith's return to the field with particularly the Bengals game week two and the Steelers game week four in the back of your mind?
2: The answer is you don't think about it. You just have him play. Because we went to a Chicago Bears game last year where we weren't supposed to lose and then we lost. You can't say, well, the schedule worked out and the week four is important. No, you've got to put your best team out on the field every week in the National Football League. I'm sorry, but Jimmy Smith's healthy. you got to put him on the field. Now, I'm okay if you say, you know what, let's give him some plays off. Let's get some rotation in there. We have the guys who can do it. We can roll co- coverage over to an elite receiver once in a while. You can't say, oh, well, he might get hurt. I'm a big believer is you think you're going to get hurt? You're going to get hurt. I mean, you're almost willing into the self-fulfilling prophecy. I just have a problem with the idea of, oh, you know, we need him for the Steelers game, so let's not play him at all because the biggest problem with Ravens football over the last five, six years, maybe even the whole hardball era, is we have losses against teams that are just inexplicable, unexplainable, that cost us Late in the season, whether it's a playoff seed or a higher playoff seed, we always seem to lose those games that we're just like, how? Why? Are you kidding me? So I think you got to take everything seriously. You put your best players on the field, and Jimmy Smith is one of your top three,
1: five players. It's pretty remarkable that how he's progressed so far at this age with an Achilles injury, and if he's healthy, by all means, you know, week one, put him out there. But if he's not ready, I don't think there's a way you even let him touch the field. He's making $15.3 million this year. That's the second-highest dollar amount on the Ravens behind Joe Flacco. This is a guy who has struggled to stay on the field his entire career. Don't get me wrong. When he's healthy, Jimmy Smith is an all-pro talent. We saw that last year before he got hurt against the Lions. But it's a 16-game season. This is a marathon. The Ravens need to keep him healthy. And, you know, if, he's, if there's any doubt of him not, being healthy, especially with an injury like an Achilles, which, you know, wrong, wrong move, you could pop it, i.e. Richard Sherman and Smith himself, especially at 32 years old. I mean, I don't think you risk it. And we've just seen so many times where it's come down to the end of the season. And, you know, right when the Ravens needed it, Jimmy Smith has gone down with injury. And it showed. I mean, showed last year. It showed uh, the year before with the Steelers. I mean, the Ravens cannot afford to lose one of their most important players when he's getting paid probably the highest of his current contract. So, I, I disagree with you, Chris. I think they need to keep him off unless he's fully healthy and he's ready to go. Like well, I, thought, there, but,
2: I thought I specified if he's ready to go.
1: I'm, yeah, no, I'm not saying,
2: like, force it. But
1: I don't know. I I thought, thought, I'm, thought I'm just very really skeptical, challenge. especially with when the injury occurred. You know, maybe if it was first half of the season last year, that's fine. But, I mean, that's great he's progressing, but they need to be so careful with him.
2: My biggest question remaining Will stick keeping the secondary the Ravens get better play from Tony Jefferson. Was Pease the problem? Or does Tony Jefferson just have a hard time fitting in the defense?
1: No, I mean I think Pease was partially part of the problem. I mean, I don't think he's skiing Jefferson as well. And I think he he played tried to play him too much like Eric Weddle. I think Weddle and Jefferson are two completely different kind of players. Jefferson um did struggle a little bit against the run and up close, so I think it's a mix of both. But I think he'll be motivated to come out and have a better season. This was a guy before the Ravens signed him. at free agency was one of the top-rated safeties along with Eric Weddle, and I, we, I know we expect them to be one of the best tandems in the NFL, and I think they can do that. But, I mean, if you can play Tony Jefferson to his strengths, and I think that aggressive nature of Link Martindale will help, that he'll have a better season,
0: I think we'll see that on the field this year. I'm going to just flat out say he's going to, but I really hope that he does because if you have potentially Eric Weddle and Tony Jefferson playing at a high level, a healthy Jimmy Smith, and an ascending Marlon Humphrey, I mean, this secondary on paper has the potential to be one of the best in the NFL with multiple Pro Bowlers on it. If all stay healthy and all live up to their potential— and I expect Tony Jefferson in his second season with Martindale at the helm, he'll be able to do that. And that's probably one of the biggest things I'm excited for this season because if they can figure out a way to get the secondary on track, this defense has the potential to be lights out.
1: My next question is, so last year we saw a plethora of injuries. I mean, before the season started, during the season. So should we have confidence that there won't be another injury purge this off season or going into the season?
0: I really hope not, and it's scary because the Ravens have the longest training camp out of everybody in the NFL. How they manage this preseason is going to be very, very interesting. In today's NFL, it just is simply hard to avoid a slew of injuries with the way the game is played and the way the teams practice. Um, but if we're judging recent seasons, judging on how injury prone they've been for the Ravens, particularly 2015 and even even last year, if we're if we're comparing seasons it's hard to have a group of injuries as big as the Ravens have had recently. So if we're going on luck, if we're going on chance, I think the Ravens have a good opportunity to not have a slew of injuries like they've had the past two or three years. But with the extended training camp, that might be a challenge that I think could be flying under the radar.
2: Yeah, we're asking the question right now that nobody has the answer to. It's the million-dollar question here. I mean, injuries are always a key factor, I think it's just, I think you got to be thankful right now that the Ravens don't have a plethora of injuries going right now other than a couple of minor things. No real big-name players other than Jimmy Smith are really dealing with something that bad. Marshawn Gonda's coming back. But, I mean, Raven, the Ravens are relatively healthy right now. you got to knock on wood that it's safe that way. But there's no predicting that. If there was predicting that, then... We predicted every year.
0: We are on our last round of questions already. My last question here is a pretty big picture question, focusing on the receivers. Can Jaleel Scott and Jordan Lasley change the Ravens' reputation when it comes to drafting wide receivers? The Ravens have never drafted a Pro Bowl wide receiver. They've never had a Pro Bowl receiver on their roster, period. And that's really incredible, considering the franchise has been around for 23 years now. I have faith in these guys. I really excited to see what Jordan Lasley can do. He just seems to bleed passion and the grit. Whether that translates on the field remains to be seen, but as far as these two guys, are you confident that they can even though that they're fifth round picks, they don't have to be pro bowlers right away, but can they at least give us something that's better than Perryman or better than Mark Clayton or and all the all the receivers that have just been absolute busts in the past? Can they just start, even if it's not like a Pro Bowl season, just start to turn the wheels and get this horrible, horrible uh, reputation the Ravens have for receivers off their back, the the perennial monkey off their back, so to speak?
2: Jake, happiness is based off expectations. (laughs) And you expect these guys to be the guy right away, you're going to be disappointed. But if you expect them to be solid contributors, work into the offense, and give you a little something to be excited about moving forward, you're going to be damn pleased. Joel Scott's a big-body target. He can make circus catches. And Jordan Lasley's sneaky good. He's a shifty route runner. He's good in the open field. I think Lasley's just incredibly exciting. So I I think you're going to be damn pleased if your expectation is low. Um, I think Crabtree, Sneed, Brown, and more – Are the guys you can count on to be productive parts of the offense right now, and then at that after that, who knows? I think Scott's the one that excites me the most because he's got that big body. He can get those ridiculous. He has a couple of end zone catches on tape that you're just like, what? How did he do that? But you know, those guys have never really panned out for the Ravens. I mean, that's what we said about Demetrius Williams coming out of. College and you know just name the receiver Tandon Doss, Just name the receiver. We we yeah, not, how many times have we been like all excited about a receiver that's done nothing? So if your expectations are low, these are the best looking rookie wide receivers we've had in a while, and they're also not first round picks, so that helps.
1: Yeah, I don't really have much else to say. I completely agree with you, Chris. If you expect these guys to come in and produce right away you're kidding yourself because the Ravens wouldn't spend money on three free agent wide receivers coming to contribute right away. But if you're expecting them to develop and hopefully be a big part of the offense, then, yeah, I think that can definitely happen. But it's going to take time. And, really, I'm just echoing everything you said. So, yeah, I agree.
2: My last question is, how much does Chris Moore fit into the offense, which is kind of funny because we were just kind of touching around that. But how much does Chris Moore fit into the offense? He was starting to come on a little bit at the end of last season. And he was really the only reason we were in the Bengals game in the first place, even with the interception, which touched his end. I know Joe did the whole thing about what whose fault that was, but Chris Moore, how much does he fit in?
0: I'm particularly early in the season. I'm expecting a lot and not to knock on John Brown at all, but you just can't count on him to stay healthy and if he goes down, Chris Moore is going to be the number three receiver in the offense by default. And chances are, again, not to knock John Brown, but chances are at some point in the season, the Ravens are going to have to rely on Chris Moore if Brown misses a game or two. So yeah, I think he's going to be much more involved, particularly both on offense and special teams, because I I project him to win the kick returning job. And especially considering he has more experience than both Scott and Lasley at this point, especially early in the year, I think Chris Moore will be definitely one of the top receivers in the Ravens passing game.
1: Yeah, I I agree with the same thing. I think that he'll take over the number three spot with John Brown eventually. He's a guy that you said came on last season, was really the most productive receiver at points when Mike Wallace wasn't uh, producing. So, yeah, I think he's definitely going to take another step forward this year, which is really exciting because, you know, we talk about how the Ravens really haven't been able to develop any guys. But if he really can take that next step, then, you know, that will be one of those guys. And, you know, it's exciting to see what he, what has in store for him. And I think with Crabtree being the main possession guy and, you know, Snead being kind of that gritty uh, guy in the slot, I think more can come in and be that guy, especially with Brown's injury history. Like you said, Jake, it's really in question. All right. My last question. You know, it's really hard to tell now because we really haven't seen much of a look, but is there any undrafted rookie worth keeping on the 53 man roster this season? We talked a little bit about how roster math is going to be pretty hard. And, you know, are you going to, is it worth keeping a guy? Uh, based on potential when you have a lot of positions that really do need to be counted on this year. So what do you guys think?
0: This is a really hard one because in terms of fitting guys on the roster, I think we said this last year, but even more so this year, there's just so much competition at so many spots that there's really going to have to be, uh, for an undrafted rookie in in particular, is going to have to have a really, really strong camp and they're going to have to stay healthy and the whole picture, yada, yada. We've heard a couple things about guys like Mark Thompson, the running back, and just for the sheer fact, the Ravens only have three running backs on the roster right now. If he is able to make some noise, and let's just say, just by default, Kenneth Dixon suffers an injury, then maybe he has a, an argument to be made there. They've had they have a couple interesting guys, you know, on the defense and receiver and corner and whatnot. But yeah, that that is certainly, particularly this year. A really, really good question. I don't have the answer for it yet. I think in a couple weeks, we can maybe start to play around with it a little bit. I'm actually really excited to um, start to formulate a 53-man roster projection, and it's it's just going to be a, a mind game as to how you're going to fit all the guys on the roster that you want to fit on, um, but if there was a season where this is going to be one of, the, one of the big things to watch out for, this is it, because there's just so much competition at so many areas. You can even point to quarterback and whether or not the Ravens are going are gonna to keep three guys on the 53-man roster, and if they do, that's going to have a snowball effect throughout the rest of the roster. Great question, but I don't know yet, but I think as the weeks progress into training camp and as the camp goes on and we start to see these guys in preseason games, hell, there's going to be a lot of opportunities they are playing five preseason games. So the guys will definitely have a chance to to shine and get their opportunities, but the chances of making the 53-man roster are going to be harder this year than in a long time.
2: Yeah, I'm going to give you a guy, Mason McKenrick is an option, a linebacker, from a small school. This is the idea that he's big and he he's got the he's got the physical traits that you look for. And then uh Christian LeCourture, of uh, the defensive tackle from L S U, six five three hundred pounds, and again from LSU. So uh a player from L S U on the defensive lineman might be a guy diamond of the rough but yeah I have a hard time imagining more than one or two undrafted free agents is going to get on the roster when you had 12 draft picks. I mean, if you had five or six draft picks, maybe, you'd get a few. You have 12 draft picks, and I think pretty much all of them, except for Greg Sanat, it's going to make this team.
0: That's going to wrap it up for episode 38 of the Emity podcast. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the roundtable format, the Q&A. Uh, But real quick before we sign off here again, coming to you, the Ebony Bird podcast on iTunes and Spreaker. Be sure to check us out at EbonyBird.com. Download the app from the App Store and follow us on social media at Ebony underscore Bird on Twitter. It is also Ebony Bird on Facebook. The page is called Baltimore Ravens Fans. But if you search at Ebony Bird, it'll pop up for you right there. Brought to you by Fan again. I'm contributor Jake McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at JMcDonald95. Fellow contributor Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller123 on Twitter and site expert Chris Schisser at FootballMan58. So, everybody, please enjoy the first couple days of Ravens training camp practice. Again, we're going to be coming at you every week here on the Ebony Bird Podcast with the preseason kicking back off again. Uh, And certainly looking forward to, as I alluded to in an article a couple weeks ago, the most anticipated Ravens training camp in over a decade. Can't wait for it to get started. I'm already chomping at the bit to get the first couple uh, press conferences, watching them and everything. Really excited for Thursday. So, for Joe and Chris, I'm Jake McDonald. We will talk to you next week right here on the Ebony Bird Podcast.